we are getting to the serious part of this service. And I think we need to get our focus on the Word of God at this time. But I want us to stop right now before we go forward where we are. These altars are open this morning. I want you to simply pray for our service going forward. I want you to pray that God's will will be done in this message. I want you to pray that souls will be saved in this place this morning. Could it be that God is waiting for us to call out to Him more and more and more? Friend, God's willing this morning, but we've got to call out to Him. We've got to cry out to Him. Our nation needs us to call out to Him this morning. So very softly, where you are, or you're welcome to come forward, I want to invite you to go to the Lord and pray as she plays softly. have your Bibles this morning, look with me in Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8. Thank you, Miss Jacy, for that special. Uh, boy, how fitting. Uh, what a message that we need to hear today. Uh, thank you for being here, everyone. It's good to be in the Lord's house. It's good to be saved. Uh, I am thankful that I am saved. I'm thankful that I know I'm saved. And I'm thankful that I can rejoice in the fact that I am saved. And I'll tell you, we got a lot to be thankful for this morning. Uh, last Sunday for the 4th of July message, 
uh, I preached on our nation, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we didn't talk about any of the issues going on today. We didn't talk anything about that. But we basically talked about why the United States have received the blessings that we have in the past. And we talked about the foundation of our country and what our country was founded on. And those simple foundational truths are why God has blessed America the way that He has. And we talked about the preserving factor of our country. And it's not our economics, it's not our political system that is saving this country. It is very simply the very small remnant that is left. Jesus very simply said, if it was not for that very small remnant left, that we would be as Sodom and we would be as Gomorrah. It is the very small remnant of God-fearing people that is holding this thing together. And I am thankful for them today, and I am thankful for the long-suffering of God. I'm thankful for His mercy, and I'm thankful for His grace. I preached that last week, not knowing what I was going to preach on this morning. Uh, but the events that we uh, went through this week definitely led to this. And so I want to ask for your undivided attention this morning. Jeremiah chapter 8, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Man, if there's anything worth standing up for, it's the Word of God this morning. Jeremiah chapter 8. We begin our reading in verse 1. And at that time, saith the Lord, they shall bring out the bones of the kings of Judah, and the bones of his princes, and the bones of the priests, and the bones of the prophets, and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their graves. And they shall spread them before the sun and the moon, and all the hosts of heaven whom they have loved, and whom they have served, and after whom they have walked, and whom they have sought, and whom they have worshipped. They shall not be gathered nor be buried. They shall be for dung upon the face of the earth. And death shall be chosen rather than life by all the residue of them that remain in this evil family, which remain in all of the places where I have driven them, saith the Lord of hosts. Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. I hearkened and heard, but they spake, they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Every one turned to his course as the horse rusheth into the battle. Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times. And the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. If you look down in verse 19, the Bible says, And behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people, because of them that dwell in a far country, is not the Lord in Zion, is not her king in her. Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. That's got to be one of the saddest verses in the Bible. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people and my hurt, I am black. Astonishment hath taken hold on me. Here's our text this morning. Is there not a balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? 
Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you and I thank you for the day that you've given us to gather in this place. Lord, what a great privilege we have to be here and to worship you. Lord, as we come to this sermon, I need you. Lord, I ask for your touch today. May everything that is said and done be said and done in accordance to your will. And Lord, may we be doers of your word today. May we apply these things. Lord, I pray that we would be more than hearers. Lord, I pray as your church that we would realize that it's time to do something. Lord, we need a change. Lord, things need a change in this country. Lord, revival needs to take place. And as God's people, we have got to get stirred. We have got to do something, Lord. And Your Word tells us that we've got to draw nigh to You. And Lord, I'm not just talking. Lord, I'm preaching. Lord, I'm not just talking a good talk, Lord. I truly want to change. And Lord, I pray that our heart's desire today would be more than just talk, would be more than just listening. I pray that we would apply this message to our heart and life. And that when we walk out of these doors, Lord, that we would be changed. And that we would have an unction to, for this country to be changed, Lord. But Lord, there's one cure and there's one remedy. And His name is Jesus. And Lord, Your Word said if we would exalt Him and lift Him up, He would draw all men unto Him. Lord, that's what I want to do this morning. Lord, protect us from evil. Lord, I pray that You'd bless this service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Verse 22, the question was asked by the prophet Jeremiah, Is there no balm in Gilead? I want to preach to you on this subject. There is a balm in Gilead. There is a balm in Gilead. I want to take the issues that Jeremiah was facing in the nation of Israel, more particularly the nation of Judah. The city of Jerusalem is who the prophet Jeremiah is preaching to. And I want us to look at what they were going through, and I want us to look at the things that they were facing in that day. And I believe you will see a lot of similarities. And I believe that we will be able to compare those things of that day to the day in which we live today. Because, friend, I'm glad that I can take the Bible when I see no hope and I see no answer, and I can turn to the Word of God and I can see an answer. Friend, when I look in this passage of Scripture, I find hope for our nation today. When I look in this passage of Scripture, I find a God that's not done working yet. I find a God with a solution. I find a God with a cure. I find a God with a remedy. So notice this morning as we go through this, number one, I want you to notice the apostasy of Israel. Now we're talking about the Israelite people, but specifically the nation of Judah We're talking about the city of Jerusalem. I want you to notice down in verse 5. The Lord is coming to the prophet Jeremiah and He's talking to these people. He is coming to them. God is reaching out to them through this prophet. And He said in verse 5, Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding? He basically confronted the issue of Judah that your nation has been backslidden from me. 
the current condition of the country at that time is they were backslidden from God. Now, God had been good to them. They were where they were because God brought them there. They were enjoying the blessings that they were because God got them there. And they are now living in a place and in a condition and in a state that they were backslidden from God. The word backslidden in the Hebrew there simply means to turn away from, to go off into apostasy. So very simply, these people turned away from God. When he simply said, why are you backslidden? He's simply asking the question, why have you turned your back against me? Why have you turned away from me? This speaks to a total desertion or a departure from one's religion or from one's belief. There was a time that they believed there was one living true God, and that was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And at this current time and place in Jeremiah chapter 8, they have turned their back from that belief. They had turned their back that God was the only God in the world. They had turned their back to the statues and the morals and the laws that God had established from them. Friend, when you turn from God's law, you turn from God. When you turn from the morals of God, you turn from God. When you turn from Jesus, you turn from God. These people had totally abandoned God. And the reason their nation was facing the issues that they were is because they turned their back against God. They had totally abandoned the Lord. Now, last week we talked about our foundation of a country. And we talked about why God blessed us the way He did. And I believe that He blessed us for our foundational truths in our country. The United States of America has always stood for two things. And I believe this is why God blessed us the way He did. But number one, we stood for our faith in Jesus Christ. We always stood as a country that exalted Jesus above everyone and anyone. Now we live in a day where Muhammad is exalted more than Jesus Christ. We wonder what has happened. Friend, when you turn your back on Jesus, you turn your back on God. When you turn your back on the Son of God, you turn your back on God the Father. Friend, I want you to know that when you turn from Jesus, you are turning away from the God of heaven, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Friend, we need the Lord's favor upon this country. But we will not have it as long as we turn our back from Him. And if we turn our back on Jesus, we've turned our back on God. Another foundational truth of why God blessed this country is because we always stood for our faith in Jesus and we've always stood for the nation of Israel. You turn your back on Jesus, you turn your back on God. You turn your back on Israel, you turn your back on God. And friend, we have slowly, and it has been a slow process, but slowly and slowly and slowly we have turned our back against the Lord. And you say, preacher, we're gathered here. Friend, we're in the minority today. The Lord said in Isaiah chapter 1, if it was not for that very small remnant, think about the true born-again Christians compared to the population of this nation and this country. May I tell you that it is a very small remnant in comparison to the numbers of our population. We are in the minority today. May I tell you that we're in the Bible Belt. There's not near as many people doing what we're doing today 
They're not doing that at their home. They're not doing that in their life. Friend, we're here to serve Jesus. There's a lot of people not serving Jesus in our country. May I tell you, for the majority of our country, they're not serving the Lord. And when the majority turns, so goes the nation. And as the majority of our nation, we have turned our back against God. We have turned our back against Jesus. We have turned our back against Israel. And now we are paying for the consequences of turning our back on God. We think we got it all figured out. We think we know how to fix it all. Friend, when you turn your back on God, you're turning your back on the solution and the remedy and the cure. I want you to know that God can turn this around. Draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to us. Amen. Hey, these people turned their backs. It had gotten bad. They had turned their backs on the Lord. Why is America in the shape that we are in? Friend, racism is not the reason why we are where we are today. Listen, racism is not why we're there. Hate is not why we're there. Politics is not why we're there. Policy is not where why we are where we are. We are where we are because we have turned our backs against God. We have turned our backs on Jesus. We have turned our backs on Israel. And friend, when we realize that a policy will not fix it, when we realize that a politician will not fix it, and we simply realize that there's only one cure for this, that's when our nation will turn around. That's when we'll be fixed. The apostasy. May I tell you, there's apostasy in this nation. We have turned our backs on God. If you're with me, say amen. Jeremiah chapter 8. Boy, I was all positive last week, and I'm a negative Nelly today. But I tell you, I want to look at the truth of God's Word. Because we need to get to the truth. It's time we quit dancing around feelings. It's time we quit dancing around the issues, and we face them head on. Notice here in verse 3, I want you to notice the desire of God. It said, And death shall be chosen rather than life by all the residue of them that remain in this evil family which remain in all the places whither I have driven them, saith the Lord of hosts. Notice there in verse 4, Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Shall they fall and not rise? Shall he turn away and not return? I want you to notice verse 6, I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. I want you to understand that God had a desire for this nation to change. He had a desire for Jerusalem to turn around and and have revival. Let me tell you something. The reason of this judgment and the reason that God allowed these events to take place is because God was trying to get their attention. I want you to understand something today. There is not anybody in this world more concerned about what's going on than the God of heaven. There's not anybody that loves this country and nation more than God the Father. I want you to know there's not anybody that wants revival more than the Lord. Do you know why these events are going on? Do you know why the chastening is taking place? Do you know why these events are occurring? Because there's a God in heaven that's trying to wake us up. There's a God in heaven that's trying to tell His people who are called by His name that, hey, friend, it's time to wake up. All of this judgment they were facing, all of these issues, it was for the simple fact and reason that God was trying to wake them up. 
Friend, we have had tragedy after tragedy. We have had event after event. We have had judgment after judgment. And when we as God's people, when are we going to open our eyes? When are we going to wake up? Friend, the reality of it is, they're not, there's, all these nations in the world hate us. They want to, they, they love to see what's going on here. They are happy in the Middle East that we're destroying ourselves. They are satisfied with what's going on. And nobody wants to see a revival here, but friend, God does. And I mentioned this the other day, but I, one of the most beautiful things about the book of Jonah is even when the preacher didn't want revival, God wanted revival. When nobody wanted to touch that evil nation, God did. He wanted to put His hand upon them and He wanted to save them. He wanted to revival. Friend, God had a desire for Jerusalem. God had a desire for Judah. And God has a desire for America. God desires revival. God desires salvation. God desires the best for us. Let me tell you something. God's not happy today. God is not happy today. I want you to notice the refusal. Notice this in verse, uh, the end of verse 5. The Bible said they hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. Here He is reaching out. Oh, He had a desire for them to change, but they refused. They refuse. Notice what it said in uh, verse 6. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his course as the horse rusheth into the battle. He said he reached out and nobody would listen. They wouldn't repent. They wouldn't get right. They wouldn't change. They wouldn't make a difference. He reached out and he reached out and they refused to listen to him. Let me tell you something, friend. We need to listen to God. And we need to do what God has told us to do. The only thing that's going to get us out of this mess is becoming obedient to the Word of God. And we must listen to the voice of God. Friend, all of these events are happening because I believe God is trying to wake us up. Friend, we can't even stay awake in church service sometimes. I mean, let's just get real. Let's just be honest. Let's get it down to the facts today. We have trouble staying awake for the preaching of God's Word. How in the world can we wake up in the outside of this church if we can't wake up inside of this church? God had a desire and they absolutely refused. I don't want to change. I don't want to get right. We preach. We have, we, we got the good sayings. Man, I'm telling you, we got good sermons. We got all this good stuff, but we're not applying it. We're not changing. Boy, we get in here and we fight. Boy, we're going to get revival. And we walk out them doors forgetting exactly what we talked about and prayed for in here. There's no change. There's no change. Hey, I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm not pointing my finger at you. I'm pointing fingers at me this morning. How many times I've sat there and I've listened to the Word of God and I, I said, oh, that's good stuff. Boy, that's good stuff. But man, I hope be buddies over there listening to that. Because he needs that. Friend, it ain't for him. It's for me. And we need to take what God is trying to tell us and apply it to our life. May I tell you something this morning? We need God's people to get on fire. And we need God's people to get on fire outside of these four walls. We need to catch some fire. Do not refuse like this nation refused. They refused. I want you to notice what he said. If you're with me, say amen. He said, Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times, 
And the turtle and the crane and the swallow observed the time of their coming. He simply said, the fowls of the air know how to obey me. The birds of the earth and the critters and the creatures, they know how to follow me. They know how to obey me, but my people know not the judgment of the Lord. You know what he was saying? These birds got more sense than y'all do. That's what he was saying. They know what to do. They know how to do it. But in reality, we do too. They just, they submitted and we won't. They refuse to return. They refuse to repent. Friend, we got to repent. We got to listen to the calling of God. If God's people just sit back like we have been and do nothing, this nation will continue in the course that we are in. Jeremiah 8 and verse 22. If you listen to anything, please listen right now. Verse 21st. The harvest is past, the summer's ended, and we are not saved. Jeremiah said, God's done everything. He plowed the field, He planted the field, He watered the field, and we're still lost. God's doing anything and everything to save us is what He's saying. And we're still lost. We're still as backslidden as He began. Friend, God is trying to wake us up. Harvest is past. The summer is ended, and we're not saved. As the majority of our nation, we are not saved. God has done an amazing work in our country, and we are not saved. Friend, there's an issue there. But friend, I didn't come here to just talk about everything that's wrong. I won't talk about how to change this thing. How to get it turned around. Notice the source of a national healing Jeremiah the prophet cried, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Is there not anybody to help us? Is there not a healing solution? He said, Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? God is trying, but we're still as sick as we ever been. Is there not something that we can do? Is there not something that can take care of this problem that we're having? And he refers to the balm in Gilead. A balm was a, uh, was a substance that was found there in Gilead. And it is called the balsam of Mecca because it came from the balsam tree. And in that day, that was one of the most uh, powerful medications that they had. And when everything else failed, that's what they went to was the balm of Gilead. It was first mentioned in Scripture when the brothers of Joseph had thrown Joseph in the pit. You remember the merchant men that they ran into and they sold their brother to? And all y'all remember that? They had they had this healing power with them, and the Bible refers to that. That's the very first place it's mentioned in the Bible because this is a substance. When everything else fails, this was the cure for all. This was the remedy. When they tried everything in the world and there was nothing else to take away the sickness, nothing else to take away the pain, to take away the elements, they went to this bomb and this fixed the problem. I'm telling you, they believed in it, they trusted in it, they loved it, because, man, they would take it for everything because it was truly a cure for all. And He said in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their trouble, in the midst of what was going on, he asked the question, is there not a balm in Gilead? This is what he's asking. Is there not a cure for this great tragedy? Is there not a remedy for what's going on? 
This was considered to be the most powerful medicine in all the world. And he said, isn't there something just like the balm of Gilead to take this away? I'm afraid in our country that we're putting band-aids on the problem. We've talked about racism, and it hadn't worked, it hadn't helped. We've talked about hate. We've talked about violence. We've talked about being nice to one another. We've talked about all the different things that we can do to get this fixed. I heard preachers and seen preachers this week. I seen a preacher two days ago post on Facebook that the antidote for racism is relationships. I thought, God, forgive that man. Everywhere I look, friend, we've got to start talking to one another. We've got to fix this problem. Jeremiah cried, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there not a cure? Is there not a solution? Is talking going to be the solution? No, because the heart of man is still evil. And the heart of man is still hard and cold. Friend, talking will not take away hate. Talking will not take away racism. Talking will not take away the violence that is going on. That's not the cure for all. Because that will not soften the hearts of sinners. That will not soften the hearts of evil man. That will not break the hearts of murderers. That will not break the hearts of pedophiles. That will not soften the hearts of criminals. Friend, there's one cure for all. There is a balm in Gilead. There is a cure for all. There is a remedy. There is a solution. And may I tell you that it's not found in policy. It's not found in politician. But it's it is found in a personal relationship in Jesus Christ. I want you to know there is a solution that flows from on high, and it's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There is a balm in Gilead, and it's, it is the precious blood of Jesus Christ that can heal, that can cure, that can remedy every single problem that we are facing in America today. And people say, oh, every time you always say Jesus is the answer. Friend, Jesus Jesus is the answer. We gotta believe He's the answer. We gotta know He's the answer. And we gotta act like He's the answer. Jesus is the answer. If we would get off a of dope and get off alcohol and get on the precious blood of Jesus, this thing and this nation's gonna turn around. You want revival here? You want a great awakening? Friend, we've got to get out the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This nation needs a good dose of Jesus. Are you awake this morning? As my dad used to say, we need to have a come to Jesus meeting. Friend, this nation needs a come to Jesus meeting. We've got to get to the precious blood of Jesus. We've got to quit blaming it on the white people. We've got to quit blaming it on the black people. And we've got to get to Jesus. We've got to quit blaming the Democrats and the Republicans. And we've got to get to Jesus. Here it is. We've turned our backs on God. That's the issue. The apostasy of America is the issue. We've turned our backs on God. We need to get to the cure. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Look with me. Stay with me. First Peter. I'm almost done. Oh, stay with me. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. I want you to know there is a remedy. There is a cure for all. 1 Peter 1 and 18, For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, 
Friend, you weren't purchased with physical possessions from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Friend, our redemption is found in the blood of Jesus. I want you to look in Colossians chapter 1. Oh, friend, you look in our nation today. You see confusion. You see chaos. You see the results of sin. You see the results of turning our backs against God. Why is all of this happening? Because we've turned our back on the Lord. There is confusion. Friend, there's not peace in America today. Colossians 1 and verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of His cross. How do we have peace today? Through the blood of His cross. Notice what He said. By Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. You know how we're going to get reconciled? Jesus. Jesus is the one who reconciles. He's the one that brings us back to the place that we need to be. Jesus is the one. By Him we are reconciled. By Him we receive peace. It's through the precious blood of Jesus that this nation and this country is going to have peace. Friend, do y'all think we need a change? We need a change. Two things are why I think we need a change. Because we have let God down. God is not happy with us. And child of God, that ought to rip your heart out to know that God is not happy. Number two, I've got kids. And my generation and the generation before me has dropped the ball. I don't want my kids to live in the world that this is coming to. I want to change what's going on. I want something different for my kids. I do not want them living in the society that they're fixing to have to live in. Friend, I don't want it. And you shouldn't want it. You say, why change? Why apply the Word of God? Because people, there's consequences to our decision. And if we sit here and we say, well, we're going to be good Baptists, we're going to come sit on the pew, man, we're going to do our Baptist thing, we ain't done nothing. We're doing nothing. Well, preacher, I'm faithful. You still ain't done nothing if you're just sitting on the pew. you got to have a desire to change. And I think God, His desire for us is great. And I see His desire. I see His attempt for reaching out. God's people got to get broken. God's people got to get serious. few things for this revival to take place. Number one, there's going to have to be a national salvation. People are going to have to start getting saved. Does this mean the whole nation gets saved? No, it means very simply that individually people start turning to the Lord more And more and more. We don't need 100%. But friend, we need more people getting saved. We need more people coming to the personal salvation and relationship with Jesus. You want shootings to stop? Don't take away our guns. Get Jesus so He can melt our hearts. And He can take away the wickedness of the world. Friend, we've got to give them Jesus. If there's going to be any hope of turning this thing around, people are going to have to get saved at record amounts. People are going to have to get saved at record amounts. And if that's going to happen, number two, there's going to have to be a Christian awakening. 
That means we must pray more. That means we must pray harder than we've ever prayed before. Friend, if you want to change, please pray for change. Jesus said, pray and seek my face. And He said, turn from your wicked ways. Church, would you be willing to turn and repent of your sins? Child of God, are you ready for a change? God's people are going to have to get stirred. They're going to have to wake up. If we wake up in church service, we might wake up in the world. If we get stirred up in here, we might get stirred up out there. Friend, we can't even shout in God's house. How in the world are we going to shout out there? We're scared to death. We're scared to death to praise Him inside here. It's hard to praise Him out there if we can't praise Him in here. God's people need to speak up. No, we got to be quiet. Shame on you. That's a lie of the devil that we've been believing and practicing for a long time. We got to rejoice in our salvation. We got to shout about the things that God has done. Friend, if, if we're going to wake up and things are going to change, we're going to have to get active in our local church. We're going to have to get active in our local church. Boy, we got Brother Josh and we got Brother Trey, and that's all we need. No, sir. It's going to take everybody. You're not going to pay me to do your job. Hello? Hello? It's going to take everybody. It's going to take everybody. We're going to have to get stirred up. And we're going to have to get invested. I want to change. I want to change. But we leave here and we don't do anything. How much time are we investing in this? Let's, let's get real. I'm so busy with my family. I don't have time to invest a whole lot in this. Man, we got so many hobbies and we got so many likes and we got so many things because it's our family time. And we're forsaking God. And we're forsaking the lost around us. Man, I want to see Hamburg get saved. I want to see Promised Land get saved. Two amens on that. That's shameful. <laughs> I want to see Hamburg get saved. Amen. Are we going to wake up? Are we just going to stay this way? This apathy. I'd be all right. I'm saved and I'm satisfied. Child of God, look at your kids. Look at your grandkids. There's too much at stake today to stay the same. Brother Dale, we need a change. To stay the same is unacceptable to this daddy. To see that my kids are going to grow up with the thought that it's okay to marry anybody and anything you want to. To, to, to grow up and have that thought and that mindset that, well, if I want to be a girl today, I'll be a girl. If I want to be a boy tomorrow, I'll be a boy. Shame on us. I don't want them to have that mindset. I want them to know the principles of Jesus. I want them to know who God is. And I want them to know how to please God. Friend, that's going to happen. We're going to have change. We're going to have to step it up. You say, preacher, you preaching to me? I am. But I'm preaching to me too. Because I've got so much more that I could approve, improve on. Are you willing to do something this morning? Do you want to see a change? If there's going to be a change, God's people are going to have to get involved. Quit letting somebody else do it. And do it yourself. Let's get involved. Do y'all still believe that the blood of Jesus is the cure for all? 
if Miss V come out here. And she said, I'm going to stand out in the middle of the street. And I'm going to sit here because this is my life. I won't do what I won't do. She has that right, but it's still stupid. <laughs> How dare me to sit back and not say a word to her? Miss V, what are you doing? Get out of that street. The long trucks are coming. Get out of that street. People are flying down this road. Ask Bull. He knows. They're flying. They're coming. Get out of the street. This lost and dying world is going to hell. And we're just sitting back and we're just letting them fall right in hell. It's on us. We can come here, meet three times a week, say our good amen, sit on the pew, put on our ties. Amen. But what good are we doing? Friend, there's still power in the blood. There's still power in the blood of Jesus. I see young families all over my age. Young families, we got to do something. We got to stop this. Our kids are going off the cliff. Our nation's going off the cliff. Who's going to holler at them? Who's going to warn them? Who's going to tell them? It needs to be promised land. I want to ask you this morning. These altars are going to be open. I want to ask you not to make any kind of public decision. I'm just going to ask you to seek God. And I'm going to ask you to have a greater desire than you've ever had for change. And I'm going to ask you to not to be a hearer of the Word only, but to be a doer. And I'm going to ask you to commit to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to do something to change what's going on in America. I don't want to just sit here and amen and agree with it. I want to be part of the solution. Well, what's the solution? The blood of Jesus. We're going to have to get behind that blood. And we're going to have to push it on this nation. And we're going to have to give Him glory in everything we do. This world needs to see it. If you're here and you're lost this morning, it's going to start with you. One at a time. One at a time. And it's going to start right here. If you're lost this morning, if this nation's going to turn around, you're going to have to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. You want a remedy? You want a cure for your sin? The blood of Jesus is a cure for your sin. Let's stand very quiet, very reverent. Miss Jennifer, she's going to play. The invitation's open. The invitation's given. You do what you want to. God's working in this place. He's working on our hearts. He's knocking. He's trying to get us to change. He's trying to get us to step out of our comfort zone. But friend, He can't make us. He can persuade us. But He can't make us. God's people are going to have to say, Yes, Lord. Are you willing to say, Yes, Lord, this morning? Are you willing to come to these altars and pour it out to the Lord? You say, I've already been once. You think twice is going to kill us? Let's go twice today. During this time, if you need to be saved, would you walk this aisle right now? As she plays, y'all come.